is rink-wide on TSN 1040. Here's Janie Burke and Andrew Wadden. Rink-wide, the show that always scores. Andrew Wadden alongside Rick Dollywall again this week. J.D. Burke still on assignment with Elite Prospects. He's in Boston, Boston for the uh, Bean Pot. I believe the championship is this weekend. We'll, we'll, we might connect with him later on the show. He had a good story on uh, Jack Rathbone, the Canucks uh, prospect at Harvard, who's yeah. doing really well. And um, I, I, I wonder if Rathbone, you, well, we're going to find out if Rathbone and Tyler Madden come out of the NCAA this year, Andrew. And Will Lockwood, what's going to happen there? So the Canucks got some uh, pressing uh, NCAA uh, issues coming up here. We're going to talk to oh. Harmon Dial in just a moment. He's waiting on the line here. Got to get to this, though, Rick. This is directed at you. No, oh, great. What gives tricky, Ricky? You sound so dejected when talking about the Canucks cap and re-signing woes. Have you listened to Benning? He clearly keeps stating that he's not worried. Why are you? You know something that Benning doesn't? Would you like to share? Oh, boy. Uh, Jim Benning is obviously going to say uh, everything's going to be fine. That's his job, to say that. Yeah. I got Berchi, dead money in Utica. I got Erickson's contract causing problems. I got Spooner's buyout. I got Luongo's recapture. I got Pedersen Hughes contracts and Pedersen Hughes and their bonuses. I got Marchstrom and Tanev not re-signed because they have cap issues. So how could they not? Are they in cap hell? No. Are there cap issues? Yes. If they did not have cap issues, uh, Andrew, I believe Markstrom and Tanev would have been signed by now. To the texter. There's a, a lovely website yeah, called CapFriendly.com. Cap go, go. go, do some simple math, then come back to us. All right, let's talk to Harmon. Let's get him in the conversation here. Harma, uh, you just heard all of that, and uh, I'm sure you understand as well. You can read basic numbers. You know, when you look at Markstrom, Tanov, you know, why they're not signed right now, you know, it's got to be exactly what Ricky uh, just explained, no? hundred percent. There, there's no dancing around it. And, uh, the simple fact of the matter is, I mean, just look at this year with, uh, with Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes' performance bonuses. They're in a spot where because the Canucks are right up against the cap, they're, they're dipped into the LTI pool. Any bonuses that Pettersson and Hughes earn, that's essentially dead money onto next year's, uh, cap, uh, their cap expenditures because they can't afford it this year. And, they're in a spot right now where I think I did some sort of, you know, basic, you know, calculation on this. Maybe around seven, maybe they'll have around 17, 18 million dollars to re-sign, um, re-sign guys heading into free agency. And you look at the list of guys that they need to, um, extend. They're not going to be able to keep everyone, right? They've got Jacob Markstrom. Uh, they've got Chris Tanev. Jake Tanev right now is, he's putting together an arbitration case to get paid three and a half million dollars per year. You've got Adam Gaudet on signs. You've got Troy Stetcher. Again, he's got an arbitration case, too. Um, Josh Oliva. I mean, the Canucks are going to have to make some decisions where um, they're not going to be able to keep everybody. There's no way you're bringing back both Tanev and Stetcher. I'd be, I'd be really surprised if both Levo and Vertanen are back. I mean, they're, they're just in a spot right now where they've got so much dead money allocated that they're going to have to make some difficult decisions because of the cap. Yeah, and uh, your piece... Uh, your latest piece on The Athletic uh, is kind of focused a bit on, on a few different areas. Of course, uh, you, you talk about Jacob Markstrom and you know why he should be considered for a Vesna. But I want to focus in on the part where you talked about Wayne Simmons and, of course, the rumors that uh, the Canucks have been not talking.
talking to the Devils about it, but have had their na- his name sort of in their discussions. But you broke it down in your piece on why Simmons isn't a good fit for the Canucks, but you also gave a name that you said perhaps could be a good fit for the Canucks. So let the people know. Yeah, so look, from a surface-level standpoint, you can understand why the Canucks might be interested in a player of uh, Simmons' ilk because the Canucks could use a little bit of toughness in the, in the, in the middle of their lineup. I mean, um, and it was, it was something that was exacerbated by and sort of highlighted with the lack of response um, with Matt Grizzlick's dirty late hit on Elias Pettersson. And so from that perspective, you can understand Simmons has a really high work rate. He has plenty of edge and bite. Um, he's an excellent leader. He won the Mark Messi NHL Leadership Award last last year. The problem is that as as a player, I don't think he's anything more than a fourth line forward who can play on the power play right now. Because you look offensively, he scored five on five points at a lower clip than Louis Erickson since the 2016-2017 season. His legs are are shot after major surgery, the battles and the wars. I mean, we've seen so many power forwards. Look at Milan Lucic. Simmons is 31 years old. That's the age where these big, tough, powerful, it's the miles that they've logged, really starts to wear their body down. And Simmons is someone who's gone through that major surgery. So his legs just aren't there. I mean, um, is he an upgrade? Is he, would he be one of Vancouver's top 12 forwards right now? For sure. I'd have him in the lineup over someone like Tim Shaw or Zach McSweet. But whether you can justify giving up assets for a rental like Simmons is a completely different issue. I don't think it makes sense unless New Jersey is willing to absorb uh, a contract like Brandon Sutter's or Sven Berge's coming back. And when you look at alternatives, Marcus Foligno of the Minnesota Wild is someone who I think is really attractive. Now, I imagine he's attractive to 20 other NHL teams this time of year, so... Um, it could be a little bit of a, a case where you don't know if we can actually realistically nab him, but Foligno is younger, faster, has an extra year of term left on this contract, a much better two-way forward with excellent defensive utility. And we saw in, in the game last week against the Minnesota Wild what Foligno can, can do when he went Godzilla mode against the Canucks. He fought Zach McEwen. He, uh, he injured Oscar Benberg who's now in concussion protocol. He rocked Jake Rattanen. I mean... Foligno, the, the type of impact that he can make on a game is it goes well beyond just the toughness. And so he would be, in an ideal world, a really good fit. Um, but as far as Wayne Simmons is concerned, I just don't think he offers enough at this point in his career to justify uh, acquiring. Uh, when you consider that, let's say that the asking price is a mid-round pick or a prospect. Those are those are assets that you can use in the offseason to potentially package with a Sven Berchi, a Brandon Sutter to try and get rid of some, some of your dead salary. So I just don't think it makes uh, a lot of sense to watch Simmons. Yeah, but uh, Harmon, on the other flip side of it is the Canucks organization obviously sit down with their pro scouts and there's got to be a reason why they like Simmons. I, I mean, I don't really care. I, I don't think they care what the media thinks or the fans think. But as, a, as an organizational group, they've sat down and they've targeted this guy. So there's got to be a reason why they like this guy. Um, another guy that I, I, I would like to look at at the trading deadline, and I talked to his agent last night, was uh, Ilya Kovalchuk. I know the Canadians are red hot right now. And I don't know. I mean, the Canucks power play wo- woes of late. Um, is he a player you think? Um, I would rather give up a third, fourth round pick. 
uh, for Ilya Kovalchuk, who's going to provide some offense, as opposed to the guy that you're going to give up a third-round, fourth-round pick for some toughness. But is Kovalchuk a guy you would look at? Yeah, I, I imagine that Kovalchuk is someone who, I mean, just just look at the, the lines from morning skate today. You've got Brandon Sutter riding shotgun with Bo Ward and Tanner Pearson. That's not good enough. Before that, it was Louis Erickson. And for as good of a, a two-way presence that he brought to the line, he doesn't bring any offense. That's a problem. You can't have uh, players who can't meaningfully put the puck in the back of the net in your top six. And so the Canucks have a, a, a big vacancy there. And I think when you look at some of the potential candidates to sort of you can target and, and sort of plug and play into your top six. I mean, uh, the, the other options are going to be a little bit more expensive, whether that's a Tyler Toffoli, whether that's an Eric Carlisle, whether you're looking um, for a candidate for the next two or three years. So I think I look at Ilya Kovalchuk. I, I wouldn't mind it. If, if, the, if the asking price is, let's say, uh, a fourth-round pick, I wouldn't mind if the Canucks took a swing. The one concern I have is I'm not sure he's a player that would really fit into what Travis Green um, is looking to do with his roster. And Jim Benning has been very careful. He's been very adamant that whatever player they bring in, they really have to click with the identity and the, and, and, and the chemistry and the roster of that team. And, and you look at Kovacek, at this point in his career, he's kind of similar to Thomas Vanek a couple of years ago where can bring some offensive uh, offensive punch, particularly on the power play, but he has defensive shortcomings. And, and Green wants to use that Horvat line in a matchup role. I don't think Travis Green would be putting Kovalchuk with Horvat. So just from that sense, I wonder if if there's a fit there from, from the coaching staff's perspective. Uh, Harm, I railed on earlier about how, you know, the Louis Erickson experience on the second line is just got to stop. And then, of course, now we've seen today that uh, Brandon Sutter is there. But, like, why not Jake Vertanen? Like, why why not, you know, Vertanen either with Horvat or maybe Vertanen back up with Pedersen and Miller and you bring Besser back down with Horvat? Like, Horvat needs to start playing with somebody that can play offensive hockey. And it just blows my mind that they just keep trotting out this almost like three lines of shutdown and just one line of offense. Yeah, and you know what? I think step one for that is admitting that you want to change the identity of that whole rat line because as you mentioned, right now it's a checking defensive line. And you know what, for the last, you know, in, in towards the end of January and, uh, or towards the end of December and in January, it worked well because Louis Erickson and Bo Horvat were both playing some of the best hockey of their seasons, but it's it's obviously tapered off in, in the last week or so. And I don't think that was ever a sustainable long-term solution. So to me, I think what you need to do is you need to recognize that does not necessarily need to be in that matchup role because as soon as you say we're going to hard match that Horvat line, then you're saying, well, we can't have a Jake Vertanen or we can't have a Brock Besser on that line because we don't trust them enough defensively. And you know what? I think from my perspective, if you look at if you look at the lot line, that's a top five line in the NHL when you put them together. That's they they just dominate the run of play on both sides of the rink. Why not give them? a little bit more of, of the share of, of some of those matchups, even redistribute them a little bit more. I'm not saying the lot of them has to be taking all the tough defensive matchups now, but balance them out a little bit. Because what you can do then is you free up Horvath's line to say, hey, 
Horvat, you don't need to be in the defensive zone for every faceoff. You can free up a little bit offensively, and that's when you open up the possibility of Jake Bertanen or Brock Besser um, in, in that top six. But unless the identity of that line changes, you're going to have weird Brandon guys that are uh, supposedly of that shutdown nature on that line. So I think step one needs to be let's change what the goal, the purpose of that whole that line is. Okay, uh, do you got anything else? Yeah, I got okay. some for Go you. Ahead. You want Jake on that line. Jake's got no points in his last four games. Yeah. His ice time has gone from 17 but, to 14 to 12. But he's been playing on the third line. Okay, but... Put him with guys that can play offense. You just said offense. But he's ice time and his points are going down. Because he's playing with on a, with, on the third line with Adam Goddard. Put him with the guys that generate offense. So Sorry, Harm. Harm, we're having our uh, own little yeah. argument anyways, here. Anyways. Right, Harm, before I let you go, I'm going to put you on the spot here because I put everybody on the spot today with this poll question. Who is your favorite Sedin, Daniel or Hendrick? <laughs> oh, man. Um... <laughs> I, I always tend to uh, gravitate a little bit more towards the uh, goal scorers. So, so just for that reason, I'd, I'd say Daniel. And just because he had a little bit more of a, of a mean streak. If you remember that, uh, that Florida game, I think it was in 2016. So I'll go with Daniel, but I mean, no doubt about it. Both are legends, yeah. absolute beauties. Yeah, you can't go wrong with either. I just put it out there today. I knew it would stir up the pot a little bit. People are just like, nope, don't want to do it. Not touching that. Don't even care. <laughs> and I'm, I appreciate that you actually gave an answer because J-Pat, uh, he took the, he took, he was like, nope, not doing this. I can't do it. Uh, Harma, thanks for uh, joining us as usual here on Rinkwide. And man, enjoy this one tonight. I got the feeling it's going to be a spicy one tonight. And I think we're in for a good tilt. Thanks, guys. All right. That's Harmon Dial. The athletic Vancouver. You want to start fighting again? No, but did who who said that uh, Vertanen's going to get three and a half or four? Was that Harmon? I I don't know if anyone like who specifically said it, but just the way he was tracking in terms yeah. of the goals. Like yeah. if he scores twenty five, like whoa, well, twenty. Yeah. He doesn't have to get to twenty five. Yeah. He yeah. just has to get to twenty to get a real nice raise.